You are entering a space of thoughts and jokes, of echoes and analysis, a stopover from sense, a sojourn from sincerity, the cross-section between entertainment and bewilderment, a limitless void of laughter and curses from which few escape. You've just crossed the border into the spooky spot. My sleepy bitch disease is acting up, so... <laughs> Let's get this, this over with. Let's make this quick. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Spooky Spot. My name is Jess. I'm Liz. And here on the Spooky Spot, we talk about anthology shows. E. Which is mainly the Twilight Zone. Did you know that we're a third of the way through the first season? What? Yeah, there's 36 episodes in the first season. What? And this is episode 12. Oh boy. What you need. <laughs> Tell you what I need, what I really, really need. Need the cat to stop wagging his tail. He keeps hitting my screen, he's such a little jerk. <laughs> what an asshole. So up here at the top of the show, I wanted to make a quick announcement uh, about our production schedule. <laughs> it is delayed! Indeed, thanks for being patient. Last week, or <laughs> two weeks ago at this point, I don't even know when this one's going to come out. Mm. Thanks for being patient with that week that we missed, where my computer ate a whole episode and made me do it twice and also I had been traveling in the coming weeks we are no longer in the same house so I don't know what our production schedule will look like it's temporarily though yeah and then we'll be in the same house again for a little bit and then we'll move somewhere else so it might get messed up again mm -hmm. so bear with us and uh be sure to check on the spooky spot on twitter uh where all the episodes get posted and they're all there so keep an eye on that Rude. Oops. We've been doing this 12 weeks. I, I thought about it, and I was like, I'll do it when she starts, and then I didn't do it. Whoops. Yeah, you check your phone, too. <laughs> I know, I muted it before we started, but it was flashing green at me, so I got distracted. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, the little announcement, and I'll mention it again at the end, but I know, I don't know, sometimes people skip credits, even though I think our credits are pretty good, because we're... Our credits are valid. <laughs> It's her valid because half the time it's just an extension of the episode <laughs> with us dicking around. And who doesn't want to listen to that? Yeah, right? If you don't want to listen to us dicking around, I don't know what you're That's doing. That's the whole show. That's the whole show. Like, yeah, the Twilight Zone is here, but it's mostly us dicking around. It's dicking around featuring Twilight Zone. Yeah. Episode 12 this week, What You Need, as I mentioned. Uh, you got anything else to say? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, I we introduced ourselves. I said the thing about schedule. Open this soda. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right up next to the mic for all the listeners. Oh. Well, I, thought gonna, I thought you were going to do it like right on the cat. And I was like, no, not doing it. Pour one out on the cat. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's jump right into it. Jump on it. Whenever someone says jump into something, that's a song that just pops in. Understandable. We open on a city street that's damp from the rain. Everything's so damp. And this is a key that will help us out later. So damp. So damp. Um, it's just the way of all the old movies. Yeah, everything just is damp. Like, if it's nighttime, it's gonna be fucking damp. And I don't know why. I need to, like, launch an investigation of the dampness of the 1950s. <laughs> The dampest generation. <laughs> Both my parents 
can't believe your folks were so damp, man. Uh, I can't. <laughs> it's just, I just, you think about any of those old movies. There always it's, is a... If, a it's, if it's a city scene with, like, you know, paved roads and sidewalks, it, they're going to be wet for some reason. Yeah, at night, just everything was wet. I'm sure it had to do with, like, so you can pick up everything better on the screen, and, like, since it's black and white. Yeah. But still, it's weird, and I don't have an explanation. I couldn't tell you. And there's, a. Uh... Some flashing neons in this street. Just, you know, nice city street at night. Uh, inside one of the bars, there's a disheveled-ish looking man hanging out. And the bartender approaches him and kind of glances at him and then moves on to another man further down the bar. And he asks if he wants another drink and the dude's like, no, nah, I'm fine. <laughs> I actually really like this bartender character. I think for He's the... All right. For the amount of screen time he gets, you learn a lot about him and his attitude. Uh, it's some good, quick characterization. I could not put up with that attitude for more than what they gave us. It's true. If he if the episode was about him, it would be irritating. But don't like him that much. You know, since he's only in the first act, it's it's okay. Yeah. And he's like, "Hey, like buy something or get out. We don't just rent space here. You got one drink and then you sat here for an hour. Rude." Um, and the guy insults him. Yep. He says, uh, how'd you like to take a flying jump at the moon? Yeah, it's like, just kick that guy out. Like, <laughs> Tell him to leave. It's fully within your rights. So I think I think it's funny that, like, at first you, like, have a little bit of sympathy for the bartender. Because he's not, like, he's just trying to tend to the bar. And then he gets insulted by this guy or threatened or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then he... 360s and he just makes fun of everyone. 360, he just drags that other guy at the bar later. Like, damn. Like, same. <laughs> the bartender's like, uh, all kinds here. All kinds of rude assholes. Our opening narration comes in mm. and does what this man couldn't. Even better. And just drags this dude. Rod's such a legend. Absolute <laughs> legend. We witnessed two murders in this episode. <laughs> It's very true. The first one is this narration. Uh, it tells us that this man is Fred Renard, who has a chip on his shoulder the size of the national debt, which, hey, Rod, that's an unfathomable amount of money in 2018. That is $19 trillion. Mm-hmm. Rod, it's more than you ever imagined. Rod, you never could have guessed this ever. You never knew how much this burn aged <laughs> finely aged burn maybe my CD uh, truly Fred here is a sour friendless lonely nervous man who lived 36 pointless failure laden <laughs> years get him love it love it just kill him he's just a real piece of shit dude and he's uh looking for any escape out of his current life. Anything, anybody, any way to get out of his crappy, dumb life that is definitely his own fault. Probably. Because he's just he's just a shitty man. I refuse to believe yeah. that anything <laughs> yeah, no. is actually not his fault. The opening burn, um, which is just how the Twilight Zone should start from now up. Like, just open with a burn. <laughs> Openly just drag your protagonist. Um... Yeah, he calls him nervous, and I'm like, no, this guy's just have like a, it's an oversimplification, but it's like, yeah, just a couple, a couple of bad days. He's not a nervous guy. It's not it's, a couple of bad days. He lived 36 pointless lives. Oversimplification, but he, like when you learn about him, what he does later, that's not a nervous guy. 
to go threaten this no, old man. He is. He's he's very confident when he yeah. finds something that he can use. Yeah. So he's very gung ho to go be a manipulative jackass. Mm. And that's why you've had pointless life. Yeah. That's why you've uh, ding ding ding. That's why you're friendless. Fucking no one wants to be around your badass. That's why you're at the bar every day. We see a little old man come in with a suitcase. Just oh, a so little. A sweet little old man. And the narration says that, you know, this man is the chance Renard is waiting for. And I just, you leave him alone. <laughs> Honestly. Don't touch him. The man's looking around the bar with a smile and he's, you know, having a good time being a peddler. And, you know, his eyes light on Renard and his face just falls. He's like, oh. And don't walk away from that. Don't like that. <laughs> no one can see what I'm doing, averting my eyes from him, but... <laughs> He's going around, shuffling around with his tray of junk, offering its people. And he approaches a young lady, and this girl, actually, when I looked it up today, she was in a very famous Star Trek episode where she played Spock's wife. Oh. And she's serving up looks. She looks completely different in that episode. Oh. She looks very nice. I should maybe show you a picture of her. Oh. Yeah, she's really pretty. She she looked real pretty in this episode. She looks pretty plain in this one, but... Oh! I... Oh. I'm just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, like, her hair is done up real good. She's got really pretty makeup and a really pretty dress. Yeah, that's her. Give me it. Now! Now! Oh, look at that. She's got them eyebrows. Yep. To pring. And then, you know... <laughs> Kirk shows up and has to fight for Spock to not go fuck. What? That's the episode for... What? So, Vulcan Man, it's like, fuck or die? Like, yeah, that's, the, that's the origination of that one. And Kirk's like, no, hold on, I'll show up. Is this like the Ponfar episode? Yeah, this is the Ponfar episode. But like, the, the the and so he's like no i'm gonna fight for season two episode one they open the season with it yeah oh boy star trek was out here saying that Mm. that's what they were out here with and so he shows up and he's like no i'm gonna take this boyfriend with me back to my ship and i'm gonna fuck him or die me jim kirk me all alone (laughs) nobody helps i don't care that you're his wife he's coming with me Tupring. Oh. So she she played Tupring. This was actually her first uh, like speaking role was mm. in this this Twilight Zone episode. So the old man's talking to her, and he's like, "Oh, do you need anything like shoelaces or matches or whatever?" And she's like, "Yeah, I guess I'll take some matches." And she's got she's got kind of a, a sad expression about her. And he's like, "Oh wait, never mind. I I know what you need. You need this." bottle of cleaning fluid and he's like it's good for cleaning up all kinds of stuff and I thought the implication here was that she had murdered somebody (laughs) and she needed to clean up some blood oh boy I never thought of that just like her I think just her dour expression I'm like what's going on oh I can't believe I killed that guy oh boy thanks old man spot cleaner (laughs) wonderful she takes it happily and he moves along and he turns over to the bar where the guy who isn't Renard uh, gets another drink and the bartender's like, all right, Lefty, that'll be 80 cents. <laughs> For what looks like liquor. Yeah. What looks like a shot of liquor is 80 cents. Uh, the peddler 
stares at Renard, definitely seeing all the potential futures of what this man would do to him. And he's being like, mm, I don't trust like that. No. Nope. Lefty turns to the the peddler here, whose name is Padot? I think it's Padot. Yeah. We're going to call him Padot because I'm getting tired of saying peddler. So Lefty turns to Padot here and he's like, oh, what do you got for sale? And he says, oh, lots of stuff. Lots of things. You know, stuff you need. Uh, shoelaces and matches. He just keeps matching shoelaces and matches. You know, the good commodities. <laughs> just those two things. That's mostly what he has there. That's what the damp 1950s needed. With shoelaces and matches. 100%. And he had them. Mm-hmm. Lefty picks up like a crocheted pot holder and he's like, uh, stuff I need, huh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Sounds fake. The bartender's like, oh, go on and tell him what you need. The old man comes in here all the time trying to sell people stuff. You know, maybe he has what you need. And Lefty's like, nah, you can't help me because I need a new left arm. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, well, it just so happens I got... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> And the bartender explains that uh, Lefty used to pitch for the Cubs, which I believe places would place us in Chicago. Uh, Chicago Cubs, right? Unless he left, but oh, yeah, yeah, there's no other indicators. Yeah, I don't know what other city he would have gone to. Well, they could have. He just disgraced his whole ass out of the city, you know. <laughs> Get out of Illinois entirely. Yeah. They walked him to the state line. Yeah. and pushed him into Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. And the bartender's like, yeah, he cost me a lot of money because I bet on him once. And then he fucked up because his arm went And he bad. says he says years ago. And he's years. still bringing it up. Yeah. Still calling him lefty, which, you know, insensitive. Rude. <laughs> he says his arm went sour, which is just a bad phrase. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I still like him. I think he's good. And so the peddler's like, okay, well, what do you what do you do now? And the bartender laughs and he's like, ha, uh, he just comes in here and tries to find a baseball career at the bottom of glass. Damn. Like, if a a dude comes in every night, don't drag him like this. That's apparently how you kept customers back in the day. It's true. Like. That's how you kept them. There would have been some I need to speak to your manager talk if he was trying to pull (laughs) this lately. I know. Lefty just gives him this look like, come, come on, man. What are you doing? Leave me alone. But it's like, you know, like there's other things you could do. Like you don't, you don't have to do this. No, no. he's like, no, no, it's good. It's baseball or nothing, man. He could have been a coach, an umpire. Like <laughs> he could have been, he could have been the bat boy. I don't know. Anything. Announcer. Like yeah. A manager. It's anything. Anything. But no. He could have even, you know, gone and got a not baseball related job. No. Base- you baseball or die. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he gets that girl he gets. That's true. Uh, Padot's like, okay, I think I got what you need. And it's uh, a bus ticket to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And Lefty's like, um, what do I need this for? What's in Scranton? And the Padot's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Walks away. <laughs> And the bartender's like, uh, there's only, like, coal mines in Scranton. So, you know, if you can't pitch, maybe you can dig a hole. No. <laughs> Fucking rude. But the phone in the inside phone booth, shout-outs to the inside phone booth, mm-hmm. uh, it rings and the waiter answers it and it's it's for Lefty. And so, well, he's in there talking on the phone. We cut to Renard and he's kind of watching Padot. Padot's really happy 
looking at Lefty on the phone because he knows what's going on. He's like, yes, I did it. <laughs> it's good. I'm happy because I'm a good man yeah. who helps people. Yeah. And, you know, he catches Renard's eye again and he's like, ugh. Yeah, just the general willies. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a cro- <laughs> textbook case of the willies. Yeah, textbook. <laughs> Should be the episode title. Textbook case of the willies. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Gone. Uh, Lefty comes out of the the phone booth and the bartender's like, "What you got, dead rich uncle? What's going on?" And <laughs> Lefty's like, "No, it's uh my old manager who's been looking for me. He got me a coaching job in Scranton." Dun dun dun. What? How am I? Go- he wants what? me to take a bus there. It's what? <laughs> He just, he just goes up to him. He's like, I don't know how you did it. I don't know. I don't know how and, you did it. And Padat's like, oh, it must be a coincidence or or good fortune. <laughs> and I don't know if the dude playing lefty is super tall or not, but there's a huge height difference here. I think, the, I think he was semi-taller than normal, yeah. But the little old man is just so little. Yeah. He's so... It's like a full two feet shorter than yeah. him. Lefty's just like, oh, man... It's great that I got this job, but there's a stain on my jacket. <laughs> I can't see a stain. I've watched this episode three times now. I can't see a stain. It's like light. It's lighter colored. And it's like, it's it's almost like, it, yeah, it's like one shade different than the jacket. It's so stupid. Yeah. Um, He's like, oh, I got this stain on my jacket. I look like a bum. The girl with the fucking Tide pen of the 1950s steps up. She's like, oh, hey, I got this stuff that's supposed to be really good, according to that old man who gave it to me. Uh, Let me clean off your jacket. And the peddler looks on approvingly like, yes, I did this. I did all of this. How nice for me. Mm -hmm. That's all he wants. That's all he wants is to hook people up and give them new jobs. Yeah, well, not even... That he's just like, hey, turned out for them really well. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. As he's looking on approvingly, we can see Renard over his shoulder behind him just glaring at this dude. Well, Renard's been, he was watching ever since the dude got the phone call. That's yeah. That's when he's like, his interest peaked. Yeah, yeah. And so he's, you know, tipped off that old, this old man can be used. Yeah. That something's going on something's and the old up. man knows about it. Mm-hmm. While the girl's cleaning off Lucky's jacket here, she's like... Oh, we were just lucky I got this from that old man over there. And they both look to him, but he's gone. He's out of the bar. Bye. (laughs) Gotta go. Padat's out on the street here, and he's setting up his case. And we see Renard coming up behind him. Padat doesn't turn around. He just keeps, like, fiddling with the stuff in his case. But Renard comes right up behind him. He's like... And he gets the willies again. Yes. (laughs) That feel when the willies... (laughs) That feel when man creeps up behind you. <laughs> a feel we all know all too well. Yeah. He's like a freaking gazelle and he just his head snaps up. <sighs> oh no. No. The Willies is near. <laughs> He's here. The bad man is near. <laughs> the bad man approacheth. And so he nervously asks Renard, oh, what do you what do you need? And Renard's just glaring at him like Well what do I need, huh? He says something that's, you know, really important to kind of the message of the show is like, oh, well, you d- decide that, sir. Basically, you decide what it is you need. 
I I just give you stuff like shoelaces and matches. Yeah. And then you make it work for you. But no, Renard wants that special capital N need. Pinot doesn't want to give him anything until Renard grabs him by the lapels. And he's like, look, fucking give me something. And then he just starts like, yeah, he just reaches into the, the suitcase full of, full of junk and picks up a pair of scissors. And Renard thinks this is a joke. He's like, what the fuck do I need scissors for? No, I, th- I think at first... I felt that when he took the scissors, Renard thought that Parat was going to, like, assault him. Oh. Like, you know, if someone has me by the lapels and I grab some scissors, yeah, I'm going to stab him in the neck. Truly, yeah. So that's what I got. I mean, if I were Parat, I would have given him anything else. <laughs> I did, I did, yeah, just given him some fucking shoelaces or well, a bandana or well, something. Well, he doesn't know that he's going to come back again. I, but he's got those willies, though. He wasn't using his willies at the time. Okay, and we don't know how far his willies go. It's true, but yeah, when I when yeah when Padat was got got grabbed, because he's like, oh, what do you think you're doing? And he grabs his arm mm-hmm. with the scissors. I think it's like he thought he was just gonna fucking just stab him and run, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, understandable. Yeah. All right. Let's see this in a different light. And so he's like, okay, fine. I'll take these uh take these fucking scissors. And so then he heads home where he lives in a hotel. And wakes up the front desk dude who is asleep to get his key. And then Renard goes on into the elevator and it's one of those neat old elevators with the cool metal doors. His scarf that he's been wearing gets caught in the doors. And the uh, the elevator starts to very slowly go up. And strangle him. And slowly strangle him. Classic. Iconic. You know, a good old elevator strangling. Yeah. Any kind of, just good old scarf strangling. Good old scarf doesn't, strangling. Doesn't have to be an elevator, you know. Think Remember of, in Orphan Black? I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. That, uh. Oh, shout out to Orphan Black. That sink. When that food. The uh, garbage disposal. Garbage disposal. I could not remember that for the life of me. That garbage disposal strangling. Took her right out. Uh killed that lady. Which, um, when you phrase it as the garbage disposal strangling, it sounds like an old noir book. <laughs> Like a Nancy Drew thing? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Nancy Drew in the case of the garbage disposal strangling. <laughs> the Hardy Boys investigate the garbage yeah. disposal strangling. Yeah, exactly. Bernard's slowly getting choked out and he's yelling for help. I choose to believe that the front desk boy doesn't listen. Nope. Because presumably Bernard's also a real jackass to him. He's like, uh, he woke me up. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> you know, he kind of stumbles to the floor while he's getting strangled so he can't even hit the the buttons anymore. But then he remembers he's got the scissors. And so he, he manages to cut the scarf just in time. And he's he's good. He's free. He's like, ha ha. That old man. He was right. And that's uh, the end of the first act. Mm. Mm. We come back and Renard is sitting in a dark apartment smoking with some uh, Blinking lights flashing through the blinds behind him. It's a very noir scene. Yeah. It's nice. And Padot comes home, because this is his apartment. And upon seeing Renard just hanging out in his living room, drops his whole case of stuff. As you should. As you should. Understandable. Frightened. And his shit just goes everywhere. Shout out to Bookman. Yeah. Who saw a stranger in his apartment, and he's like, oh, hey! Did nothing. Took ten minutes to notice it was a stranger in his apartment. Yeah. This episode is like Lou Bookman meets the future camera. 
<laughs> no, this is, but that's also like when he drops the case on the floor, it's like, and he just picks it, like shit goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Bookman's case was very organized. This guy is just like a junk drawer of a suitcase. Bookman's case wasn't that organized. Well, because he, he could flip everything up and had the ties, and it was, yeah. for, it was for display to show the people. I guess. But this guy's suitcase is bigger, and it just fucking, it's just junk drawer of a suitcase. <laughs> junk drawer of a suitcase. But, um, I, I always thought of it, him as like the book like bookman went evil or something because little bookman's just so nice boo bookman yeah. <laughs> it's just the, the darker side of the peddler you know the, the dark peddler the dark side of the peddler you know the pink floyd album <laughs> that's a it was a great album great album watch it in sync with this episode <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our our three peddlers, we got Luke Bookman. <laughs> yeah. We got Fate from that one time. Yeah. But he was just posing as a peddler. I don't think he was a real one. And then we got Padat here. Mm-hmm. So it's just the different flavors of peddlers. So yeah, we got a good one. We got a neutral one. I think yeah. Fate, Fate was pretty neutral. And we got Self-Preservation Man here. <laughs> Boo Lookman. Boo Lookman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just thought of him always as, like, you know, the dark side of the peddler world. True. The underbelly. The, under- <laughs> the underbelly of the peddler world. Yeah. So Renard picks up something that rolled his way off the floor, and he's like, hey, no, I need this. But I was just like, look, I gave you the thing you need. Like, it's kind of a one-per-customer deal. He's like, why are you in my house? Coming here bothering me. And Renard's like, yeah, those were uh, some nice scissors. What else you got? And then he just kicks this old man's stuff. Rude. Fucking rude. Yeah. Bad and rude. He's like, you got a machine in the air? Or a crystal ball or something? The mention of the machine is funny. When I was doing research before this episode, it turns out the original short story that this was based on, it was a machine in a man's shop. Mm. This man owned, I guess, like a junk shop that had a machine that would tell you what you needed. And then... He also wound up dying in the end. I think he fell off a subway platform. But I'm just like, okay. Like, I actually think that the punch-up from the Twilight Zone works a lot better. Because I think it's much more interesting that Padat, spoiler alert, kills him out of self-preservation. Like, no, you were going to kill me. Like, I don't know what the machine saw to make the machine have this a man go get killed. But I think it's really interesting to have a human element of oh no, I'm going to use my gift that I don't use that much to stop you. Yeah, he says he doesn't use it much, and I'm like, dude, you use this every freaking day. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) You went into that bar, used it twice just for shits and giggles. (laughs) You used it twice. You you made a young couple happen, I'm pretty sure. You moved a man's life to Scranton. Which actually, when I first watched this episode, and I was like... Because he does, like, oh, I don't want it, but I don't, no, no cost, it's on me. And then I'm, he just keeps doing it. I'm like, does this man ever get any money? Cause I, but then, you know, upon second viewing, I saw him exchange money for goods once to mm-hmm. a couple. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, there you go, you got some money. Or, you know, sometimes he does, like, the, the yeah. horse race trick, maybe. Yeah, get some money with the, like, betting. Yeah, I... He's a very morally gray character. Yeah, he's just I love like, him. I love him. I love him. I love him. I love Peddler Grandpa. I love Tiny Peddler Grandpa. I love Tiny Peddler Grandpa. Yeah. 
Rod's like, you can look into the future. And you're just wasting it on nickels and dimes. Well, uh, we're partners now. <laughs> and Pradot's like, no thanks. No, I'm I'm good. I'm content. I'm fine. I don't need anything. I use my gift sparingly to help people. And Rod's like, uh, yeah, you're living small time, old man. This is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> and then he calls him Papa, which gives me some weird feelings. It's so weird. He's like, listen... I need luxury, Papa. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Renard grinds a cigarette out on the apartment floor like a fucking animal. Yeah, he's a horrible man. He's the worst. Yeah. This is the worst protagonist we've ever seen, and I love it. (laughs) Literally the worst protagonist we've ever seen. I'm putting my foot down here. (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember a lot. Actually, hold on. I'm like, I think someone's worse. Dude from Judgment Night did sink a whole ship full of civilians. (laughs) Yeah! But he wasn't, like, an actively horrible man. Oh, what about the guy who talks to... makes Who sells his soul? He was just kind of a piece of shit. They're... they're they could be, like, brothers with, they like, could. being horrible and a piece of shit. That's, like, brothers, you know? Yeah. They, oh, my... If they, like, ran into this... Ran into each other <laughs> on the street. Yeah. God. Except, you know, the guy who sold his soul would hate this guy. Because he's like, oh, you're not doing anything in life, you lousy. Except he didn't do anything in life either because he was in bed all the time. True. Because he, you know, thought he was dying. Yeah. Until he wasn't dying anymore. Yeah. All right. Just an, an awful protagonist. And Rod's like, yeah, you know, all that'll satisfy me is like a, you know, a real nice car and some nice clothes and luxury. So now tell me what's up. What's the future? What do I need? Put out reaches into his coat and he brings out a pen. And Renard once again like thinks this is a joke. He's like, What what do I need this pen for? He takes the cap off and it's leaking. And he's like, You have a fucking leaky pen? It's like, <laughs> Yeah, he gave you scissors and you thought that was a joke. Like He doesn't believe anything he does, but he keeps using them. Yeah. Renard looks at where the, the ink blot fell and it's next to a horse's name in the newspaper. And so he's like, Huh. Uh, this horse will obviously win. Bye! And he runs out, and the old man just, like, flops down in a chair like, oh my god. This poor old man. And so the next day? The next evening? I don't know. It's always nighttime in this episode. We don't see what happens during the day at all. Yeah, no. Um, It's when he slumbers. (laughs) It's when everyone sleeps. No. No, everyone in damp... Chicago. Everyone in damp 50s Chicago sleeps during the day. Yeah. (laughs) They only come out at night. So the next night day, Renard has $240 on his bed, which is a little over $2,000 today that he got from the horse race. And he's, you know, real pleased. All right. But, you know, it could have been a million dollars. And uh, it should be a million dollars. Two million dollars. The money crinkling noise is really loud. The fact that the money is as crinkled as it is, like, just, I don't know, I just don't like looking at really crinkled money. It's the crinkliest money. And I'm like, didn't you just get this? He just got it, but you know, he already rolled around on it a thousand times. It's rolled up, and he just had it stuffed in his sweaty palms. Yeah. Before the dude knocks on the door when he's, like, laying on the bed and he's just got the fistfuls of money, I'm like, are you about to rub those all over yourself before Uh, this dude rings the bell? uh, Like, what are you gonna do with this money, Renard? 
tired. Stop. But, uh, uh, it's a bellhop at the door when there's a knock on the door and he goes to answer it. And, uh, he has the next day's paper, so he gives it to Renard and Renard's like, okay, cool, bye. He's like, yeah, it's got the horse races in it and the bellhop's like, yeah, they usually do. I want to know how he has the next day's paper. I mean, it's it's the the evening time, so they usually have printed it by then, yeah. It's for the bellhop, how to go with the company, like... I guess. I want to know where he got... I don't know. However he got it, he deserves a tip for whatever he did. Yeah, I was like, you would have had to go to the fucking company or something, because you get papers delivered every day, not the day before. Mm -hmm. I just have a lot of opinions about this, because I grew up with a paper parent. (laughs) Yeah, you you would know better than I, but... um, I don't know about damp 1950s Chicago papers, but, you know... The 90s to 2000 papers. You got your paper fresh every day. Mm-hmm. Actually, just like all those movies in the 50s, too, with, like, the little fucking screamers on the sidewalk. <laughs> They'd get their new paper, like, their new stack of papers that day. Yeah. And you can't just get it early, like... Whatever I mean, this that, man had to do. That's yeah. one of the biggest mysteries to me in this episode, is how he got that paper early. <laughs> Not how the man with clairvoyance does his thing. That's fine. I love clairvoyant grandpa. I, I connect with him in my soul. I want to know how this, what kind of powers this random two-second bellhop who gets hit with a door. <laughs> I want to know his powers and how he got that paper. His, his secret black market for bellhops. Literally. <laughs> you just go into the basement. It's like, oh, someone's looking for that paper tomorrow. He's like, oh, I got that paper tomorrow. I got you. Hold on. I got you. It's going to cost you. Yeah, more. literally. But, you know, <laughs> the bellhops just kind of stand there like, um, yeah, like, you ever you ever heard of a tip? You don't want to know what I had to do to get this paper. <laughs> and Renard's like, oh, you want a tip? Yeah. Here's a tip. Here's a tip. Don't play with matches. And he kicks the door shut on him. Actually, no, he... He kicks it on him, then yeah. the dude like shuffles out of the room and then yeah. he kicks it closed. Yeah. He gets definitely gets just slammed with a door. Oh god, it's so shitty. So Renard gets he gets the pen out and he's all excited about all the bets he can make. He's like, Oh, not just horses I can do, you know, baseball, I can do all the all this stuff. But pen ain't leaking no more. No more leaks. Pen's done. And Renard's like, <laughs> mm, What? Uh what? Fuck him. I'm gonna go get this old man now. Yeah, I just... It, it just astounds me. It's like, he does one thing for him, gives him the scissors, that's great, and he's like, oh, he's gonna screw me over again. And I'm like, no, he already gave you two things already. He gave you two things, which but is one more thing than anyone usually gets. God forbid, doesn't work twice. God, he's such an asshole. So he, yeah. He just takes and he takes and he takes. Puts his jacket on, stuffs his pockets full of some money again. It's true. He picks up a bunch of his sweaty money. He's like, I gotta take this with me. Which, no, you don't. You could have just <laughs> left it there. <laughs> yeah, and he, he goes out. He's gonna go confront the man who has already helped him twice. Yeah. But he loves that greed. Mm, got that hashtag greed and no self-worth. No. So back out on the street. Pirat's out there selling. This is when you actually see him sell to other customers. <laughs> and he, he sells a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he suddenly gets the look. The willies! The look he gets of willies. The, he gets the willies. He gets the willies. He shoots that, up like a little prairie dog again. That Renard is near. 
It's a really good camera angle. It's great. There's some good camera. Yeah, because yeah. every time Renard like kind of sneaks up behind him, he's like, "Don't turn around. Look yeah. down. Look down. Don't look him in the eye." Yeah, usually like when he when Padot was in the bar, you could see Renard looking at him, and he'd like straighten up and walk away. So he was always in the same frame. Mm-hmm. But for the suspense this time, mm-hmm. you see Padot just selling to that couple, and then he gets a look, and then. Well, it's actually, it's really close up to him at first. It, yeah, it's close up to yeah. him, and then it, it goes zooms. out a little. And it he... zooms and goes to the left, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he's just there, like, skulking at him. Yep, like, yep, yep, yep. Coming for him. He's out here coming for him. In his cute little grandpa hat. Don't leave him alone. <laughs> leave him alone. Leave him alone. Which I love how we're rooting for him when he's perfectly capable of taking care of himself. <laughs> and, and which he does, but yeah. at the same time. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> God. He's wearing a sweater. Leave him alone. He's wearing a little grandpa sweater and a little puttering hat. And yeah. he's just trying to help people. Yeah. His suitcase is like half the size of him. It's so cute. <laughs> God. So yeah, Renard creeps up behind him and he's like, hey you. Hey partner. Hey whatever your name is. He, he's known this man for two days. Yeah. He's been taking shit from him. He never asked his fucking name. Already broke into his apartment. Yeah. This is when we learn his name is Padat. And Bernard's like, yeah, that fucking pen you gave me doesn't work anymore, asshole. Padat's like, okay, well, like, you won a lot of money, though, right? Like, You're that's... Like, why did you think it would work twice? <laughs> He's like, the stuff you need, you only need it once. Yeah. Like, that's all that it's needed. And Bernard's like, uh, okay, well, what now? What else do I need? Well, actually... Mm-hmm. The lady he gives the 1950 version of a Tide pot, Tide pen to, uh-huh. she could use that a couple times. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's a small bottle. Yeah. But it's still a spot remover, like... Yeah, I mean... Whatever. I think but just... Yeah. just but, yeah, I still see where he's getting. The point is you can't... Yeah. These yeah. don't last forever. Yeah. You but, gotta make your own luck afterwards. Yes. The... Kind of the whole point of his deal is, yeah. you know... I'll, I'll start you off. I'll give you a push, <laughs> but after that, you... You do your own shit, man. Yeah. Like, you stand on your own two fucking feet. You know. Which, does, which Renard has never done. Which Renard has never done in his life and then blames fucking everybody, everybody. for. And so Panat's like, nothing. Nothing is, is next. I don't want to sell anything to you anymore. <laughs> Please leave me alone. But uh, Renard kind of looms over him and he's like, look, I was born under a bad Zodiac or some shit. And I can't, I can't believe this man is a Scorpio. Hey! <laughs> no, he's not. Maybe, but he's probably not. Now I got opinion. Now I got to think of it. Okay. Well, I'm gonna keep talking, and you come up with whatever his zodiac sign is. I just pulled the one everybody thinks is evil as a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I've been getting screwed over my whole life, and you know he's got that real external blame. You know, nothing is his fault, even though he's clearly a shitty person. It's not his own fault that his life is like this. And Panat's like, well, I'm real sorry for you that you are like this. <laughs> and Rod's like, no, don't feel sorry for me. Just keep giving me stuff to make good things happen. Because, you know, I can't make my own good things happen because I'm a piece of shit. And Panat's like, well, that's too bad because this needs to stop. I'm stopping this. This is, I'm done with this. And Rod's like, why? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> why? 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 Why has it got to stop? Because I miss that vine. I miss I miss vines I'm, so much. Yeah, and everyone's like, because you need to get you know, 
some self-worth and some perspective <laughs> and, you know, some humor and stop being a piece of shit and leave me alone. Poor grandpa. Renard gets him by the lapels again and he's like, you give me what I need tomorrow or I'm going to spread you all over the street. <laughs> Fuck you all, man. Padot kind of like glances at his case and he's kind of he's kind of thinking about something briefly and then Renard just starts rifling through it. He's just like, all right, what's in here? Start giving me shit. <laughs> I gotta catch all these potholders. Yeah. I'm gonna put my crappy evil hands all over <laughs> all your shit. Padot's like, don't mess with my stuff. But uh, Renard pulls out a shoebox, which it doesn't look like that case would be big enough to hold a shoebox. I don't know. But he uh, sure does pull it's, out a pair of shoes. Deep. It's a deep case. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It also just looks like it's full of tiny things. Yeah, you know? it is. A shoebox gotta be really buried deep in there. But he uh, pulls out his shoes and then immediately goes and sits on the curb and puts them on. When, like, in the first time we watched this, I thought of, like, I thought Padat was, like, looking at him especially to get, it like, his attention towards them. Mm. And the second time, he kind of has a little, mo- like, moment of hesitation where he's like, oh, no, as he's grabbing. So, like, there is, like, he doesn't want this to play out. Mm-hmm. But then once they're grabbed, he's like, all right, fine, bitch. Okay. Take the fucking shoes. Yeah, you take those <laughs> shoes. <laughs> Renard puts on the shoes, and meanwhile, Padat has closed his case, and he's trying to leave. Yeah. He's like, okay, distract him with the shoes, and then just fucking go. And Renard's like, hey, these are too tight. Uh, these suck. And Padat's, like, out in the street. Like, he's halfway across the street, getting away. And Renard's like, uh, and they also have leather shoes, and I- Leather soles. shoes. Leather soles, and I hate those, because they're slippery. They're too tight, and they're slippery. This sucks. He's like, oh, but I need them, don't I? Yeah? They're gonna, they're gonna take me somewhere. I- I'm gonna walk somewhere in these shoes, and then wherever I walk, uh, that's uh, what I need is there, right? Yeah, totally. What's up, old man? Like, what are you, you playing with me? <laughs> and Padot's like, hey, how about you get some patience, too? Like, that's another thing you need. Nope. You empty garbage man. <laughs> and Rad's like, you, you fuck with me? Don't screw me, I'll take you apart bone by bone. God. Don't threaten it. Don't threaten this old man. No, that's just such a good insult, it, It's true, yeah. Threat. It's a good threat. And so Padat continues to back away, and Renard follows him, stepping out into the street now. He doesn't stop. Mm. He's like, oh, I warned you, or I, like, I didn't want you to have those shoes. Yeah, Renard goes, are these what I need? And Padat goes, I did not say that. <laughs> I did not say that they were what you need. You just grabbed my stuff. They're what I need. And so Renard's coming after him. He's out in the middle of the street, and Padat backs up. He's on the other side of the street now. And then the soles slip a little on that, you know, constant damp road. Constant. And as Renard's losing his balance, a car comes whipping around the corner and super fast motion. Like two, like like half a second and it's gone. Half a second and you blink and you miss it. Renard gets struck by this car and he's dead. And so Padat's like, yeah, talking to this man's corpse across the street. Same. He's like, yeah, whenever I looked at you, I saw my own death. <laughs> You would have killed me. So, you know, what you needed was to die. <laughs> that was what I needed, was for you to be gone. And yeah, it, it seems sinister, and like, but he did try to avoid it. Yeah. But I love how sinister it is for this old man, and yeah. he's just kind of okay with it. <laughs> I don't, I, I wouldn't call it sinister even, it's self-preservation. It, it, no, it just sounds sinister. Yeah. Of like, he's oh, like, well, you needed to die. <laughs> he's like, that's what you needed, some slippery shoes. <laughs> Yes. Little trickster old man. I, I can't believe he's secretly a trickster god. A clairvoyant trickster god. Gosh. 
gonna write a graphic novel about him please <laughs> please I need so much more of this clairvoyant old man and so then later there's a an ambulance out at the scene and you know some cops out for the the hit and run and a couple who lives like right next to where this happened come yeah, bustling out of the house it was right house. in front of a bunch of apartments yeah <laughs> middle aged couple comes out and they're bustling and they talk to Padat and they're like oh what happened What did you, did you see and he's like yeah it was a hit and run <laughs> yeah and he's like oh can I sell you something sir back at it again with the shoelaces and matches yeah and the old man's like what do I need? It's the middle of the goddamn night. The middle of the night. <laughs> so Padak gives him, like, a comb. He's like, oh, here you go. This is a... You need this. Then he just closes his case, heads off into the night. I'm done here. Yeah, and then the couple's like, this weird-ass guy. And this is a <laughs> fucking loony. He's like, what do I need a comb for? All right, let's go check out this dead body. Same. <laughs> and so, you know... They're looking around there, and then there's a, a reporter from the newspaper who's like, all right, folks, I'm going to take a picture. And the wife's like, oh, oh make, your, make yourself presentable. That comb you got. And the, the husband brushes his hair back, and the reporter definitely snaps the picture while he's still doing that. I'm just thinking more about this newspaper conspiracy. Because this, <laughs> yes. this journalist, chameleon mm-hmm. this is fucking late. And this, well, it's technically a murder. This would be in tomorrow's paper. Mm -hmm. That dead bitch already got. Would it? Yeah, if it's the middle of the night, you can still hit the morning press, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Or maybe there's like a, like a midday edition. There definitely was stuff like that back then, yeah. Yeah, there, there was a time when they had three papers. But still, this is just fucking with me still. That early morning edition was already finalized, so yeah, he would have had to be in the... You don't know if it was finalized. (laughs) I got you the rough draft one with tomorrow's races in it. Right? Oh no, all the races changed. (laughs) The the ambulance door shuts and it drives away and we see Renard's old shoes sitting out there on the pavement. And then the closing narration comes in, brings us home, wrapping up. Street scene at night. Damp. Damp. <laughs> Damp and cold. Dead man lying on the pavement. Uh, Fred Renard, victim of a traffic accident. A man who could never be content and took all that was needed in the twilight hey. zone. Ooh. Did you like this episode? I love this episode. Alright. Yeah. <laughs> good. It's very good. I, I also think this is a good episode. I enjoy... Like the ones where people try to use something that they certainly shouldn't have and then it comes back to bite them in the ass. Yeah. Like I said, it's Lou Bookman meets Future Camera and the thieves in Future Camera sure try to abuse it and then they all wind up dead. I don't know, it's it's good. We can't talk about too much about Future Camera. I know, I just, I miss Future Camera. It's a good episode. Very good episode. Yeah, like some parts were like, you know, the predictable part of like, you could catch on early that it was clairvoyance when he was in the bar and it's like, as soon as he talks about Scranton, and you're like, oh man, and oh man, it all worked out. Like, yeah, that's obvious. But then I just like, I just really like the twist of, um, that, oh no, I saw my death, so you got the stupid shoes. <laughs> oh no, I killed you on purpose. Yeah, I love that twist so much. <laughs> I did this. <laughs> you know I had to do it to him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uptown Funk gonna give it to you. 
<laughs> Cute old man gonna give it to you. <laughs> Just leave him alone. Leave him alone. Or he'll kill you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, good app. Good app. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, that good, good app. Glad we got two good apps. <laughs> two good apps two weeks in a row. <sighs> so next week, we'll be watching Lucky Episode 13. Mm. The four of us are dying. Nice, okay. Same. Same. <laughs> uh, a small-time con man with the ability to change his face assumes the identities of a musician, uh, a gangster, and a boxer. And then presumably the four of them die. Huh. Alright. Yeah. Sound interesting. I do not remember this one. Well, it's not like you've seen every single one. I know, but you know, sometimes <laughs> I remember them. Yeah. And sometimes I do not. Yeah. And this one I do not. So, uh, that'll be maybe next week. Maybe. I really don't know what our maybe. schedule will look like, so maybe. that'll just be next time. In the meantime, everybody out there listening in Radio Land, um, if you would like to get in touch with the show, you can email us uh, at spookyspotpod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at the spooky spot. And keep an eye on the Twitter because that's where episodes will be posted when they will be posted because they probably won't be coming out every Wednesday anymore because <laughs> we're a couple of ding-dongs. We're busy. It's We're busy ding-dongs. We're busy ding-dongs. We're busy ding-dongs and that's all I gotta say that's about that. That's final. That's it. You got a problem, just remember that we're busy ding-dongs. And we're not changing. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop being a busy ding-dong. I can't. It just slows down once in a while. Yes. It slowed down when I didn't have a job, and now I have a job again. So I'm back to being a busy ding-dong. <laughs> the narration at the beginning of our episodes is done by my friend Tamara. And you can find her on Tumblr and Twitter, at Total Spiffage. And you can also hear more of me talking on the podcast Loop and Lottery, uh, which comes out every week. We watched an episode with the Loch Ness Monster oh, recently. Boy. It was very good course you think it was i thought it was great and no one else thought it was that great of course that's so classic you it, it's, classic you it's my brand <laughs> classic you it's my that's my boy it's my brand that's my boy brand look at it with your special eyes i always look at the lock test monster with my special eyes yeah god <laughs> I love him so much. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's not what this podcast is about. That's your cryptid podcast, and that's not here or now. That's, yeah, that's just every day in my heart. Yeah. I think that's everything to talk about. Uh, so until next time, stay spooky. What? What? Why? Why? Why?